0: So this is uh, Majimini Nikaya 21, just a section of it. Suppose that a man were to come along carrying a, a spade and a basket saying, I will make this great earth be without earth. He would dig here and there, scatter the soil here and there, spit here and there, urinate here and there. <laughs> I don't know why someone would do that. But, uh, be without earth, he would say. Be without earth. Now what do you think? Would he make this great earth be without earth? And they say, No, Lord. Why is that? Because this earth is immeasurable. It can't easily be made without earth. The man would reap only disappointment. And then, in the same way, there are these five aspects of speech by which others may address you. Timely or untimely, true or false, gentle or harsh, Beneficial or unbeneficial, with a mind of friendliness or hate. And in that's five, in any event, you should train yourselves. Um, Our minds will not be overturned, and we will say no evil words. With a mind of friendliness, without hate, we will have pity for that person. We will regard him with a friendly mind, and with that as a foundation. We will regard the whole world with a mind of friendliness that is abundant, expansive, immeasurable, free from hostility. That's how you should train. So be be like that earth. Mm. Is there, is there. So I think the question was how to be like
1: that earth. Is that a question? Yeah, so like the, the mm. composure should be measurable to the point where whichever way whoever addresses one the mind should be be immeasurable Mm -hmm. it's not just a question of you doing the composure Mm -hmm. you do the composure that then sets the mind up Mm -hmm. so to speak makes it turn away from things makes it immeasurable by things but you don't have direct access to the mind you can't just make it immeasurable Mm -hmm. so that's the whole um, first jhana practice that we spoke before mind would turn away from vitakka vichara, from thinking and pondering from movements of your thoughts, from comings and goings of your thoughts, from rising or passing away of the aggregates by composing the context of danger, peril, lack of satisfaction, um, not worth my time, not worth engaging, all these myriad of aspects you can uh, compose your mind on and then cultivate them. Mm make sure they endure, make sure you protect them through sense restraint and virtue, and the mind will have to turn away. The mind will have to lose the interest. And then you recognize that. And that's the, the, the skill trainer. And he notices, ah, when I do this, this is what happens to the mind. When I do that, when I compose something else or let it do the... This, this is what happens to the mind. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, as the Buddha said in that other sutta, Turahula, about the same thing, be like earth. Yeah, so dwell and compose... Themes, um, contexts, values of earth of immovable uh, does not is not affected by by dirt, people by spit, by whatever those people do with it. It just makes no difference. Mm. So by dwelling on those contexts, the mind can then become like that. Mm. So it's indirect in a sense. Now the reason why people's minds do not become like that, no matter how much well. If they dwell on the context, but the minds are not becoming like that, there can only be one reason for that. Minds, they themselves, are still not withdrawn from sensuality, not withdrawn from uh, carelessness, um, idle kind of activities, talk, distraction, that keeps the mind still connected, so to speak, keeps the mind engaged with things that are um, perverting the audience so the mind is not trained, it's not developed in that sense so you can't say, oh but I'm doing everything rightly I am fully withdrawn, my virtue is in I'm accomplished in virtue, uh, accomplished in seclusion accomplished in, in, in withdrawal from unwholesome states and I con- contemplate and I compose the context of great earth, immovability, immeasurability but my mind is still not turning away, that's impossible that's impossible, it would have to might not do immediately, but it will have to turn away and then you would know it. So the whole point of, of the simile here is like, yeah, so make sure that your mind is already measurable like that earth. Make sure that that context... And that's how you would protect the context and see the danger of losing it. Like if you just think the mind is on the level of that context, that's it. What I compose, that's what it is. You will not necessarily have perspective in regard to it, so which means when you... when you Kind of have different desires or want to do something different, uh the mind might just go ahead with it mm. uh, but if you actually wait but this <clears throat> i um this context i'm protecting now, i don't feel any danger in losing it because i i'll deal with it, so to speak mm. oh if if this context changes i'll deal with it, I want it changed or so on, but that's when you ignore how it will affect the mind for which you don't have a say. Mm-hmm. You have a say in the context and how you compose your mind and what you choose to dwell on, but you don't have a say in how the mind will act and react and respond to that. And that's then, you're oh, so although I can handle uh, this context changing and I can, I can handle thinking about different things, I can handle this, I can handle sensuality, I can handle ill will. Yeah, that's not the point. The point is that the mind will do its own thing then, mm. and you can't handle that. So you recognize the danger of losing the context is not whether I can handle or not new thoughts and different thoughts. The danger is, oh, but I know what my mind will do, and that's what I need to protect. So yes, you can handle sensuality, great. And now keep handling it, keep handling yourself away from it, so that then the mind will also not, will lose completely interest towards Mm -hmm. it. So be like earth, be like water, be like be like these elements in that in that other sutta. That's the point. Make your mind become like that on account of diligent pondering on these contexts, properties, qualities that will make the mind go that way, pliable, obeying that direction that you're setting up if you have been withdrawn from sensuality, distraction, uh, idle chatter, obviously acts of ill will. Um, and everything else, pretty much. Oh yes, sleep, uh, engaging in in pointless work, distracting work, and so on. Then the mind will have to. It will have to turn away because you left it no choice. And then you realize, okay, so I don't need to keep my mind now like water or like 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 water, like earth. It is so. All I need to do is not distract myself, and start providing unsuitable food for that mind, and it will stay. It will stay in regard to the entire world. So then, whatever. People praise or blame, uh, <coughs> whichever they speak out of anger or kindness. It, it makes no difference; the mind remains turned away from the entire thing anyway. So, yeah, there's dispassion because there is no more fueling of passion through your careless acts. So, so
0: in terms of that. <coughs> That, su- that other sutta, the Rahula, when he's mm. instructing Rahula about uh, well, be like earth. And it has that Pali word sama there. Mm. So it's like t- tune into earth. You know, yeah. or balance that. Yeah.
1: Well, that's what composure is. Yeah. That's what samadhi is. It's tuning of the context rightly, attending to it rightly. And wha- what is the measure of the tune? in light of what I just said, what would be the measure of, oh, I this is the right tune now? Dispassion. Mm. Not being affected by what's happening, basically. The mind
2: mm. not being affected.
1: Exactly, the mind being turned away. Mm-hmm. You start recognizing that. You see that by doing that sama rightly, composing it rightly, practicing samadhi rightly, i.e. establishing that context, so not on the level of abstract ideas, and certainly not on the level of physical sensation watching but find a balance between the two for lack of a better word and then got to be patient with it and see you know you you try to tune a, a, a string instrument if you're just hitting the strings and not waiting for the feedback of the sound how do you know whether to tighten or to loosen so the feedback here it's is mind turning away from the entire image, from the entire experience, from thinking and pondering? And then, yeah, exactly, yeah, this passion and so on, that would be the result of the mind turn away. In other words, you would have then the same thoughts, they would be inducive of passion or ill will before, now the same thoughts are there, but there is no passion or ill will, because the mind is not there with them, so to speak. And that's that sama aspect, the, the the tuning. So it's not that you tune the mind directly, but you tune the context appropriately. Establish it, make sure it endures, protect it on the basis of virtue and guarding on the senses, and the mind is turning away. And that's why that element of faith is necessary as well in the beginning, because you don't have an immediate feedback. And you know how you feel is certainly not a reliable feedback. Oh, I feel great, this must be right. Oh, I feel bad, this might be wrong. Not necessarily. Sometimes that initial turning away of the mind might feel very unpleasant, because that's what the mind was depending on, like withdrawing from the favorite food, because you don't see that it's harming you. But first got to stop eating it, endure that desire to eat it again, and then you realize, oh, actually, yeah, look, I am getting better. I'm lighter. I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm healthier. As a result of not eating, not letting mind sort of fall back and uh, and touch and take up all these other things that I used to attend to wrongly, as as um,
2: agreeable,
1: non-harmful, and so on.
2: Good. One other way of describing the mind in in that way is that it's greater in in that. Um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's broader, so that even if particular hindrances arise, it's in relation to those hindrances, not not pulled by them. It's it's able to.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. Theoretically speaking, that's correct. But as I said, yeah. uh, in and of itself, somebody if they hear the instruction that mind is greater, mind is broader, they can make whatever they want out of it. And that's why it's, you have to like, be careful, and it's like, well, yes, you can use these descriptions, but you need to really know why the mind is turning away, why the mind, and it's on account of danger. Understanding the gratification, danger, and the escape in regard to pretty much anything that takes mind's interest, certainly in regard to sensual desire and unwholesome states, and you can understand that if you've stopped acting towards it, if you stop distracting yourself, if you stop in sort of threading water around and ignoring that there is still tasks to be done, all that thing that's before so that is all part of that development. It's not like some random observances that are done and then this is the you know, the, the direct line to my enlightenment, this technique or this way of thinking or something like that. Um, And that's exactly why for somebody all these things would be extremely mystical and abstract and for somebody would be like the most acute description of the experience of first jhana or how the mind turns away from sensuality and so on. The difference being in how much they've actually developed the body, the speech, and then on the level of the thought. So we're back to what we said before. So if, if you hear an instruction, it's, oh, wow, that sounds interesting. Okay, then find out more from that person or if they said anything else, as how you arrive at it. Yes, there is this pleasure when the mind is withdrawn and it's, it's magical and it's just immeasurable mind and, and, and it's just the absolute bliss. Okay, so how do we do it? And then if they say, well, you know, you just sit and uh, focus on sensations and get this pleasure and then latch onto it and look closer and contemplate the nature, that's, that's not really the impression you get when you read the suttas. But if they say, "How'd you do it?" Well, keep the precepts, be fully withdrawn from unwholesome states, guard your sense doors like your life depends on it, and then dwell in seclusion up until your the intentions become apparent, where the mind leans towards pleasure, leans away from pain, all these things, and then you have that bliss of withdrawal and stuff. It's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, that is when I read the suttas, That's kind of what what it says there." But everything else. Ninety-nine percent of work leading up to that, okay, yeah, that's 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 covered. We all understand that, you know. Priest "Sure, guarding of the senses. This is the way to jhana." Like, no, because you left everything else out. That's not the way. And if somebody had understood the way and had the jhana, they would not be able to omit this way of getting there because they would understand how they got there and you can't stumble upon it accidentally. Even the Buddha himself, when he remembered the experience of jhana that he had when he was still a young, you know, under the tree there with a the father somewhere, I not remember the story, the point is, oh, I remember that experience. He obviously knew how he got there. Let me try going that way again and see if that's the way to enlightenment and how you get there by, by complete withdrawal from unwholesome states. Mind completely turned away from unwholesome phenomena of lust, greed, desire, aversion, dissatisfaction—five hindrances—which
2: is different to trying to get rid of. The, completely
1: different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, you can't get rid of it, mm. but you could attend to it rightly, so the mind turns away from it while the thing remains.
2: And you're. Unaffected. If you are
1: getting rid of it, means you are already. Your mind is already connected with it. This is no other. Perspective in regard to it. So you just want to replace it because it's unbearable. No, you just need to attend to it rightly, literally, yoni and that which hinders you ceases to be a hindrance. Why? Because the mind's turned away now. The mind is not touching it anymore. It's not involved with it anymore. And trying to get rid of it is, is a very strong form of involvement, aversion.
3: So, in terms of that example you gave about withdrawing from eating certain types of food that were were would be unhealthy suppose suppose like you discover you are allergic to uh, something that you used to find very agreeable like in the beginning it might be difficult to give up that thing that um you have to sort of force yourself not to eat it but once like you said you start to see the benefit Or see okay I am getting healthier I don't have this discomfort or symptoms or whatever you kind of understand okay this is what came of eating this unhealthy food Mm. then it's no more really agreeable to contemplate eating that same food because it comes with this implication of Mm. all of that unhealthy uh, all of that discomfort all of those the symptoms of allergy or whatever so it's like a bit similar there's this thing that used to be a source of pleasure by having been withdrawn from it long enough to see the kind of higher perspective or uh, get the benefit from it to an extent Mm. now that same thing is no more kind of a no more a draw, desirable, no more, no more desirable yeah, exactly yeah. because like okay it might taste good but I don't want all mm. that comes with it yeah.
1: yeah taste good got it basically becomes redefined as causing illness and death and pain mm-hmm. and everything else so the good taste ceases to be a good taste mm-hmm. it's just a, now a harmful taste mm-hmm.
0: but it's like that you saw there is still a, a, a taste a good taste exactly even. there mm-hmm. is still that,
1: that poisonous drink yeah. mm-hmm. factual colour smell Taste. Everything <coughs> remains unchanged, but the knowledge of poison now can make your mind forget that. Can it make the mind topple over and tip over and lose that perspective. But it's like that simile, uh, the other night of the scales. You know.
2: mm.
0: So you bring bringing that uh, that other perception of the danger to balance with this one. That's you know the good taste. At the, the same time, that's yeah. the point
1: here. Mm-hmm. Not so the to danger. That's danger. That's danger. That's danger that's replace that's this. Replace this. this. This remains. These, that's why I keep saying you have to endure things on the right level. It remains so that you bring the balance, yes, so that you bring the danger and leave it there, counterweighing it. That's it. And it will have to go away. And that's why the mind will turn away from both. Oh, right. Thank you for bringing the danger on the scale. So I got that balance reestablished. But without actually weighing it at the same time, but instead trying to get rid of it, you're literally just replacing the stuff on a scale that's already out of the balance, and that's hindrances and acting out of hindrances. Oh, this put a new, put a new one, put a new thing, put a new thing, put a new thing. Completely, just completely perpetuating yourself in that turned-over state.
2: Upside down. And the reason why this peripheral awareness uh, that is balancing the more particular... Um, hindrances is, is um, not evoking of craving is is because so you you can't crave towards I mean for example the fact that the body is yeah, you find yourself in the body uh, inescapably or yeah the feeling is completely out of your control these things which are um, well because craving is always always
1: bound with that direction
2: mm.
1: with that particular. So it's always that forward, and if you establish the scales, if you start weighing the balance through the context of the peripheral, in regard to what you're craving, Mm -hmm. craving would diminish while that thing remains.
3: So that's how you uproot it, you don't replace it.